right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. All right, it's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And, man, today is the day that we worked, you know, for uh, for a long time, my friend, to get this guy, Thomas Fry, on with us today. And if that name doesn't sound familiar, perhaps in the automotive industry, it's because eh, you probably wouldn't know him unless you're big in the world of science, unless you know what a futurist is, unless you want some insight into what's going to happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, this guy will blow your mind. Your jaw will drop. Just get a chin strap because you're going to need it uh, sometime during the podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty fired up for this one. Uh, you know, my day job, I work for for Ford and I'm an R&D. And, you know, our job in R&D is we're, we're like 5, 10 years out, maybe even farther. Right. So that's right. kind of where the space I live in on a daily basis is trying to figure out what the heck are we going to be selling? What should we be designing now? Because, you know, it takes so many years to get through all the development, testing, and building plants or whatever to, to finally get yeah. a product out the other end. So, man, you are guessing. And not only are you guessing just for the bare minimum it takes to get a product out, you know, call it three years, four years, five years, whatever. Uh, you know, you're trying to think strategically like, you know, if it's billions of dollars in, in, in an investment in a plant or multiple plants, right, is it, is it going to be gas engines? Is it, is it going to be fuel cells? Is it going to be hydrogen? Right. I mean, there's, these are huge decisions. So you think about all the companies and all the things around the world that are trying to figure out where are we headed? You know, this is a huge key topic. And of course, it's interesting as hell, you know. Right. So you just gave an insight as to what you do on your regular nine to five. For those of you that don't know, uh, I am at the other end of the ballpark from where Kevin is. Right. He works for, you know, the big three. In R&D, I'm a damn radio DJ, like, but I'm naturally funny because my life is a joke. And I actually, <laughs> I found Thomas literally um, probably a couple years ago, and I, I was blown away at the insight that he had. And I'm kind of a science geek. My dad was an engineer. He does a lot of what Kevin does. Um, so it's always been in my blood a little bit, and I've always kind of leaned towards that side and you know, I, I really was enthusiastic about science class and I, you know, I hated math class. So, you know, pretty much explains a lot about me. But when I heard Thomas Fry the first time, I'm like, my God, this guy, he calls himself a futurist and people pay this man large sums of money to come explain to them, their company, um, where they need to be. And I feel like most people are going to learn a lot when they listen to this podcast because it's not about how much time will we have and what we're going to be riding around in and what we're going to be watching and how we consume content. But as he'll point out, it's all about 
how are we going to manage everything? How are we going to manage our time? Uh, and how do we direct our, our, you know, our free time between kids, work, career, family, our hobbies, our passions, and so forth, you know, and be productive? This, this is going to be real just insightful because he's going he's gonna to bend the fold on what we're going to use for money, currency down the road, what we're going to be driving, what we're going to be, you know, consuming as content. What, what, what do you think medicine is going to be 15, 20 years down the road? It's kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, these are some pretty deep thoughts, you know, like we're all living in the moment, you know, maybe we're thinking about our next vacation in, in a month or two, you know, but uh, this guy is way down the road. And, you know, I, I jumped on his website because I was pretty interested in this whole topic, man, get a little background. And, uh, you know, there's just a, a huge sort of quote uh, that I think kind of frames a lot of this discussion. Uh, so, you know, in his mind, the future creates the present, right? We're thinking, no, the present is what creates the future. We just kind of ride along and there we are in the future. But, you know, when we're thinking about the future and what's out there, and like I mentioned earlier, when you're thinking about, uh, you know, is oil where we're gonna be? Are we gonna be in solar? Are we gonna be in wind? When you're guessing what the future is, it kind of makes you start thinking about what changes you're gonna make now to land in that spot that you're predicting in the future. It's a really, you know, this goes back to any one of these movies, you know, whether it's The yeah, Matrix yeah. or something like, <laughs> <laughs> you're in this big loop this time warp you know yeah when, when i first had him on the air with me on on my morning show i was blown away as to the thought process you know what goes into it what gets you know more points to evaluate and conclude um where he thinks we're going to be down the road so i'm really excited to not only get his perspective on things that we care about but also down a couple avenues that i bet weren't predicted when I told you who we're talking to today, man. So it's going to be fun. You guys are in for a ride. His name is Thomas Fry, and we'll take a quick break and fire up our futurists. Are you ready for this? I'm so ready, man. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, this is going to be good, man. Back in just a minute on the Two Guys Garage podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Thomas Fry. He's what you would call a futurist. And I got to tell you, man, this guy, Thomas, thanks so much for coming on with us. And I really appreciate knowing your schedule, how busy you are, and that you're flying all over the planet. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. I really was excited when you said you would come on this podcast because I've talked to you and I've got to peel back a layer or two. But I'm telling you, my friend, it is it is mind-bending what you bring to the table, and I'm really excited for us to get into it. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, we're 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 gonna we're gonna try to stretch people's thinking a little bit here, so so let's let's <laughs> just jump right in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So Kevin, like he was saying, Kevin does R and D at, at Ford, so he's thinking five, ten years out too. So let's just pop it off with one of the big questions: as a futurist, as a guy that that you know, sort of watches current trends and gets an idea as to where we're going. Um, tell us, A, how you come about with your theories and your logic and what you use to calculate where we're going. And B, what, what's next for the automobile? Kevin and I work in this industry. We love this industry. Um, I believe that's got to be the first question. So first, how do you formulate? Second, what's going to happen with the automobile 10, 20 years down the road? So the the most successful product launch in all history was when when Tesla announced uh, the the 
Model 3. That was, uh, that was in 2016. Suddenly, 450,000 people put down $1,000 down on a car they had never seen or virtually knew nothing about. And that was the most successful product launch in all history. And as, as Tesla has ramped up, and now it's the most valuable car company in the world, um, suddenly all of the, the rest of the car companies in the world stood back and said, whoa, we didn't know everybody wanted electric cars. And uh, that's, that's what really changed the entire industry. Now, if, if you start mapping out uh, the progress of the electric car, it clearly shows that we won't be producing any more internal combustion engines after around 2025. Oh, wow. That's fast. That's like right around the corner. Yeah, it is. It is happening with lightning speed. Uh, the, the, the pickup with electric vehicles is just taking off like a rocket. Well, here's what gets complicated, right? Um, when you're trying to think about these things, there's so many different elements. So if you look at, let's say, the one example you brought up with Tesla, you're like, wow, there's definitely a huge market and, you know, things ramped up by a thousand percent. So here's the curve that we're on. And then then we have to think about, like, all right, what's the infrastructure look like for electricity? Do we have enough electricity for this many vehicles? Uh, what's the market acceptance uh, across the board versus just you know, the first 10, 15% of car buyers or 50% of car buyers, like where does it saturate out? You know, does it meet all the needs of every buyer, you know, for commuting and you can plug in for sure. But let's say you want to take a road trip across the country and you don't want to charge. So now you got all these factors and then what's the cost of fuel five years or 10 years from now, right? How much solar? You forget the big one. What, what does Tesla do when they don't have any more government subsidies for everybody that buys cars outside of Zev and Lev rules. People don't realize when you buy a Dodge Demon or a Hellcat, Tesla gets $5,000. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, what's it look like down the road and where do you think it's going? Uh, and how do you see that curve happening? Yeah, it, it doesn't take much to just get in a Tesla and, and floor it and get sucked back into the seat and you're kind of hooked on the whole thing. Um, the, the amount of uh, interest in, in the Teslas is just skyrocketing. It's just, um, it, it's taking off and they're figuring out how to produce the cars faster and faster. Now the batteries are the, the key, the key thing, the battery, um, the range that you're going to get in a car by 2025, you'll be able to get a thousand miles, uh, on a single charge. Uh, that's more than any tank full of gas that you have. Um, and then being able to recharge a mm. car in in like 10, 15 minutes, uh, that's the, the next game changer that will happen sometime in the next couple of years here. Um, so so we're going to see the, the range extend dramatically, and we're going to see the, the charge time just drop uh, plummet. And, and so when, when, you, when you look at all of the factors, the, the Tesla just becomes cheaper to own uh, because the cost of electricity is less than the cost of gasoline. It's more envir environmentally friendly. It's, um, uh, the, one thing, the one thing it does do is it wears out tires faster. Uh, <laughs> the, the torque on it and then just the, the weight of the batteries. Um, I was told by uh, one of the managers of a tire store that uh, a Tesla Model S will actually wear out tires in as, as few as uh, 8,000 miles. So um, well, the way I drive, I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, that's even a stretch. <laughs> okay. 
Take advantage of the instant torque curve. That's indeed. right. Yeah. So do you see more things morphing into a similar, like you could probably snapshot the last five years and now there is battery operated lawnmowers that have came back into the right. fold. There's battery operated, you know, yard equipment and more and more things are pivoting towards that as their power source. Where's the point of critical mass there? Where, you know, cause do we know how to dispose of these materials? Do we know how to, you know, what's our reserve for them? I know cobalt, one of those, you know, the ingredients in that battery is really tough to get our hands on. Like, what are some of those aspects people aren't looking at? Yeah, some of those things are still going to have to be worked out. Um, just the um, amount of moving parts, though, is is dramatically less. And, and it requires less maintenance. Um, uh, there, 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 there's, there's lots of factors that people just love love about these cars. Um, and, and then we're going to be getting into the... Uh, the crazy looking Tesla truck and, and the, the over the road semis. And, and we're starting to see uh, electric vehicles picking up like this one company just sold uh, a whole bunch of garbage trucks, electric garbage trucks. And, uh, and, and so one, one of the predictions I've been making is that people that own uh, real estate next to highways, as we move to the electric vehicle world, then suddenly the noise level goes down and that real estate values are gonna go up next to the highways. Um, and, and so there's, there's, there's lots of interesting implications. And the, the other critical part is that the electric vehicles lend themselves better to uh, autonomous transportation, the driverless cars. Um, and so we move to the electric and then the driverless cars are a natural add-on to that. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, you talk about all these sort of side, uh, you know, spinoff uh, sort of results. You know, so you mentioned just a random example of, uh, you know, maybe value of property going up near a highway. I'm sure you could probably sit down and think about, you know, if we are on this path, let's say, of electrified vehicles or whatever the, you know, s main path is you're evaluating, you could probably look at all these spinoffs and go, ooh, like if you think about this pandemic, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Zoom meetings are everything and the internet at home is everything. Like, so all of a sudden there's these spinoffs there that you could be considering. So could you, do you get yourself caught up in a lot of these little side shoots? Oh, absolutely. I spend a lot of time working in the meetings industry. So I'd go in the past, I'd go to these large events and have, you know, hundreds or thousands of people in an audience. And, uh, and I was speaking to a large group. Now everything is done uh, for the most part, virtually, uh, a lot of times on recorded videos and all that. And so it's been quite the transition. So we were seeing tons of people actually create home studios. Um, uh, this has been uh, a kind of the extreme makeover year for uh, people working at home. Uh, it, and it's, it's fun to watch this transition because we, we went from originally the Zoom, the Zoom meetings were pretty crappy. I mean, everybody had bad lighting and they tried all this gadgetry and stuff and it, it looked really bad. Now, now they're getting a lot better. They're paying attention to the lighting and, and all that. So it's going to get much better over, over time. Um, I, I wrote a column recently on is Zoom the Napster of the meetings industry? Uh, and it, it really looks like it is. So <laughs> it's taken a lot of the money out of the meetings industry. Well, 
probably taking a lot of money out of office space going in the future, right? I mean, well, right. If uh, if we can make this Zoom thing successful, then why do all these people have to commute back and forth? Uh, what does that mean for fuel prices? What does it mean for needing to own however many cars per family? Again, another one of these like spin-off, spin-off type of scenarios. Well, well, right. Um, so if you only have to go to work one, once or twice a week, as an example, for meetings, um, that, that changes the game dramatically. It changes uh, the, the way cities are laid out because people no longer need to live close by where they work. They can move farther out. And so the metro areas, uh, population areas, are going to extend farther out. Um, in the Denver area, as an example, Fort Morgan might be uh, one of the uh, areas that, that becomes a booming area as uh, uh, kind of one of the ancillary uh, satellite parts of the Denver metro area, which, which seems like a long ways away. But if you only have to do that commute and you can just get into an autonomous vehicle and say, hey, I want to go to Denver, uh, and it takes you there, um, that's, that's radically different than what we're doing today. So I was watching this thing, uh, it was several years ago, probably, you know, 15, 18 years ago now. And it was, I believe, some science show about how highways are going to be designed. And if you have these autonomous vehicles uh, where they're ran on a computer, that it so much efficiency can be had in that system because the vehicles can run at a much higher rate of speed, inches from one another, and they all move uh you know, as, as one big machine, as opposed to how the human interpreta- interprets the road. And, you know, I've seen those tests where six inches uh, narrower of shoulder space will cause, uh, you know, the majority of drivers to hit the brakes as they see it, you know. Right. Not, nothing changes in the lane, but perspective is reality for the human mind. So they, they find something different in that. And, you know, they'll adjust how they're driving, whereas everybody's plugged into a computer they're all following within inches of one another all traveling at a high rate of speed all of a sudden the efficiency of traveling to and from goes way through the roof because you can move them faster and it's all controlled via computers so there's no human error you see a future like that in in decades to come yeah, the, the messy part, though, is that we have to go through this transition where we have humans in some cars and, um, you know, autonomous cars of the other vehicles. And, and so we have to compensate for the human drivers, and not everybody is rational the way they drive. So, <laughs> yes. so, that, so that becomes the messy in-between stage that we have to work our way through first. But do you see that as where we're going? You see that as you know, 20 years down the road, 40 years down the road, yeah. um, traveling in a vehicle looks something like that. Or it basically becomes an office and you're answering emails and watching a movie or whatever and your car is just getting you to and from. Right, right. Um, 20 years, definitely. Um, maybe, maybe even sooner than that. Now, keep in mind that this, this opens up the door for lots of other types of vehicles as well. So we can have our office on a, a driving vehicle. So we don't have to work from a traditional office. We can actually take off in the morning and go around town and pick up different people for the meetings that we want to have and meet inside of the vehicle. We can have a little conference table in there and it'd be like a, a driving office 
um, you could you you could have a driving cooking school mm. and you're picking up students and you're teaching them how to cook while you're driving. Uh, you could have a dog grooming shop or you could have a a mobile bank or a mobile retail store or a, a bicycle repair shop. There's there's any number of vehicles that would lend themselves well for for this type of uh, this type of driverless vehicle. And, and so mobile commerce becomes a real interesting option moving into the future. Well, you know, talk about mobility and what's changed again, just this pandemic, how, uh, you know, it really emphasized uh, Amazon, right? I mean, everybody was probably ordering stuff all the time, but, you know, obviously when the pandemic hit, it almost went to, you know, zero stores there for a while and hundred percent, everything shipped to me. And, uh, you know, again, that, that mindset, that new norm kicks in, uh, you know, the storefronts probably were already kind of hurting relative to uh, online, but, right, right. you know, we're kind of accelerating that to, to some extent, right? Yeah, so I've been asking this question of when do we reach peak e-commerce? Um, so we're right at 18% right now, I, th I think it's the number um, where we're having 18% of all of our retail sales are delivered to us through e-commerce. Um, but see, we'll, we'll never reach 100% e-commerce because we still want to go to restaurants and coffee shops and we want to get out and be around other people. So we'll never reach 100%. So then what is peak e-commerce? And, and I'm thinking we're actually pretty, probably pretty close to that right now, um, maybe in the low 20% or so. And, and that we're going to start inventing other things like mobile commerce and and other options for for doing retail. In the meantime, we want to we want to have an experience. So we're going to see lots more stores that are uh, opening up, giving a chance to get out and do things that are new and unusual. Um, and and whether that's uh, uh, soaking in these immersion tanks, or whether that's some yoga studios, or whether it's trampoline parks, or um, I think a lot of people are going to cow cuddling. Thomas, cow cuddling. That's the new thing. <laughs> cuddling cattle oh okay I just read about it the other day <laughs> cow cuddling man it's the new it's the new thing namaste real close to a cow i thought it was head button goats yeah uh, that's for the brave man i've yeah. i've owned both head, uh, head butting right. baby goats <laughs> here's the deal man more with thomas we're gonna take a, a little dive a, a hard right because he still has to tell us where he thinks currency is headed in 15 to 20 medicine um, what are we going to do as far as, you know, y you see movies. It's funny how the present parallels some movies that we've watched, you know, in the years past. Is tomorrow going to be a movie we watch today? So we'll ask him and dive into that right after this break. Uh, back in just a minute on the Guys Garage Podcast with Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have Thomas Fry. He's a futurist. He knows a little bit about tomorrow, I'm telling you. And it's kind of cool because so far we picked his brain on where he thinks the automobile is going. Autonomous driving, part of that equation as well. And I got to tell you, Kevin, are you intrigued so far? Like, this is one of those guys you can spend a few hours with. Just like, wait a minute. Now, I didn't see that coming. Well, what about this or what about that? I mean, it, it gets, uh, gets kind of twisted. I have one booming question that I, I want to know, man. What 
what does your stock portfolio look like? Because here's a guy looking at the future, man. So <laughs> what should I be buying right now? Because I've been doing it wrong for so many years. <laughs> gold, bro, gold. Yeah, yeah that's, that's one thing I've, I've always said. I'm not going to give out stock picks or lotto numbers for that matter. So, <laughs> so Thomas, let's talk about, you know, take what do you think is the biggest industry that's going to morph, change, evolve, uh, next, you know, you have you have indicators that you watch and you follow, and trends that you kind of keep up to date on. What's the next industry to be majorly redone? So the it, it, I made this prediction several times that the largest industry, uh, the the largest tech company in the world in 2030 is going to be an education-based company that we haven't heard of yet because I think that's where the biggest opportunity is and nobody's cracked the code for that just yet. Um, mm. There's uh, we're, we're spending tons and tons of money on traditional old-school education. We're, we're doing uh, just-in-case education. We're, we're teaching people things just in case they might need it in the future. Um, and the, the real education stuff is going to be just in time education. So we, we turn it from just in case to just in time. So when we, we need to learn the programming language, Python, your boss says, I need you programming in Python next week. Then you, you just plug in and you learn that and you're off and running. <laughs> it sounds, sounds too good to be true, but, uh, that's the, the stuff that we're see, see right now. When you, when you go to four years of college, um, there's, there's very little that you can show people that you've accomplished. You walk away from college and nobody wants to read the papers you wrote because they're all crap. And, and, and so, but there are several accomplishments that you can do. Uh, and I always like to think of if I had an AI teacher bot in my ear and I wanted to write a book. And so I decided to write a book and, and this teacher bot then would coach me along the way, or if I wanted to start a business, or if I wanted to design a, a video game, or if I wanted to, um, uh, to launch a podcast, or just become an expert on some topic. There's any number of things you could do that you would end up with a real live accomplishment at the end, and not just spending four years learning stuff just in case you might need it sometime in the future. And that's a very interesting take. So, uh, you know, I kind of started to envision uh, what this might look like for, let's say, children under, you know, grade 12, and then what it might look like for pseudo adults beyond that. So do you see a, a, a difference in how that would work? Because you say like, just in case, well, you know, there's a certain amount we probably ought to know right. just about the world growing up. And then at some point, like you said, when you start getting into specializing, right. uh, is that where you transition? H how do you see that play yeah, out? Yeah, I think it all starts on college level education and then we work our way down from there. Um, we've, we've pretty much built up insulation walls around the, the K through 12 um, age group. So uh, the college education though is where we're spending just enormous amounts of money and, uh, and, and so right, right now today, um, you get a college education, you, you, you get the highest level of achievement, you get a PhD. Um, well, what if, what if you could go higher than that? What if there was like another 200 levels above a PhD and you could get this, this ninja black belt PhD that only five people in the world have achieved so far? That's, that's the, 
type of opportunity, I think that's still out there that nobody's quite figured out how to, how to accomplish that. And, and so I think that this education company that's once somebody figures it out, it's going to scale very quickly. And so by 2030, this company will be bigger than Apple or Google or Facebook, uh, any of the big tech companies today. Where do you where do you see some of the big tech companies going today? Where do you see um, Apple in ten years, twenty years? Where do you see Facebook and social media? Uh, what about things like that that we didn't see probably, you know, just a number of years ago? At least most of us didn't, and becoming such a huge part in our lives. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, see, in January, my wife and I went to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. That's where they show all of the new hardware, the new gear, all of the the digital equipment that's coming out of the woodwork. And I I, I kept asking this one key question: of, uh, Which of these devices are still going to be around ten years from now? And virtually nothing that I was seeing had a life expectancy of ten years or more. Um, you, you have a, a great phone in your, your pocket, uh, you have headphones, you have microphones and all of this stuff. Virtually everything wears out in, in less than 10 years. Um, and so we're constantly having to upgrade all of this technology. So I think there's gonna be lots of opportunity for upgrading uh, the technology and we're going to start seeing um, lots more emphasis on artificial intelligence and uh, lots of the, the cloud-based um, resources. So we're going to see lots more subscription stuff that you can subscribe to. Um, the most interesting one I heard about recently is the idea of, of status as a service. So you could just plug in and uh, improve your status uh, <laughs> in life. Really? Uh, which was, is kind of a bizarre concept. <laughs> we're becoming the Matrix, Thomas. We're becoming the Matrix. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I when I saw Elon Musk demonstration about the Neuralink, where they were um, putting these these little fibers into the brains of a pig, um, I it, it felt a whole lot like the Matrix there. There's a whole lot of of films and stories, books uh, that that warns us about this future, like Ex Machina or others that you know I've right. seen recently. <laughs> you know, so hopefully in that future. Um, you know, we're, we're still in existing. We don't have Terminator 2 wiping us out or anything like that. Well, well, right. I mean, we, uh, the, the trend is to take these movies and they make technology the bad guy. And, and so um, they, they, they kind of demonize the technology. I, I think we're going to have more control over that. Um, if, if you see this TV show called Next, which is uh, on Apple TV, that, that's one where the, this AI gets loose and it uh, basically starts taking over the world. Um, uh, it's, it's a fascinating storyline. I, I don't think the one thing it fails to explain is, is the why behind why would it do that. Um, and so uh, that's, that's the piece that seems to be missing in all of these stories like that. I said that there was a story that came out this morning that said the Hadron uh, Collider in the next day or so looks to bend, somehow bend atoms and, and open a parallel universe. They're basically claiming they're going to open a wormhole in the next 24 to 36 hours. Like that deep, that crazy deep in science, do you ever look at some of the things they're doing and thinking – to yourself like 
um, we could be in for it. Like it, it could be a bad sci-fi movie. Yeah. So, so it's, um, there's such an interesting question about what I should pay attention to. And because I'm hearing about all these things coming out of the woodwork, the research labs, and I'm, I'm looking at something and say, wow, this, this just absolutely changes everything. And then nothing happens. In fact, with most of these uh, new breakthroughs, nothing happens. It's much, much later that something will actually happen from that. And, and so I, I tend to spend most of the time on, on what's getting traction. What, what is really making a difference in the industry today. And uh, like electric cars, I mean, that's making a huge difference. Um, and, and it's getting a lot of traction, moving very quickly. I don't know if you've heard, heard about, um, uh, they, they did, uh, they set a new record with the electric motorcycle. Um, they, uh, they set a record of, uh, I think it was 6.8 seconds in a quarter mile. Um, and, and the, the piece that caught my attention the most is that they managed to achieve zero to 60 in under a second. Uh, that was that was pretty impressive. Damn. <laughs> wow, it's like a bullet coming out of that. Yeah. Jeez. Can you even stay on the, on that motorcycle if it's taking off at that speed? Uh, so, so that's kind of a fun example of um, something that's just kind of came out of left field and suddenly wow now we're setting new records on this and we're setting new records on that and that, so there's so much stuff happening right now now the living through the covid world right now this this is forcing people to focus on digital technology and so we're starting to see so many changes in the digital world that this will the the covid era will fundamentally change mankind uh, because it kicked everything into a whole new gear. Uh, we're moving faster than ever before. Lots of changes happening, but but we're going to have a lot of unintended consequences along the way at the same time. So what do you think some of the uh, the upsides and the downsides of this whole COVID pandemic? Oh, um, yeah. See, I think we're, we're, we have more people changing jobs now than ever before in history. Uh, I think this, this, cause people to sit back and think. And as they're sitting back and thinking, they're saying, is this really where I wanted to be at this point in my life? And so that everybody's looking for something with more meaning and purpose. Um, the, this idea of contact phobia, uh, people are scared of being around other people right now. And I'm, I'm convinced five or six years from now, we're going to find people that are still afraid to leave their house uh they're stuck away that they just don't want to touch anybody that's creepy well we kind of had you know some of that with the uh you know the nuclear fallout shelters underneath their basements and you know so i mean that kind of big event the cold war yeah uh impacted people in a certain way and i could kind of see how this might you know in its own sort of sort of certain way especially when when it's a lot more real uh than let's say the cold world cold war was kind of what could be but yeah. in this case, right, people probably saw a relative, a friend, or somebody, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so we're we're going to try to pandemic-proof the world. We're going to we're going to attempt to to say never again. We're never going to let this happen ever again. And and so the first the first thing that we're going to attempt to do is to control the meat supply. And the meat supply is is uh, what kind of being singled out as the source of, of uh, the COVID-19 uh, uh, problem. So we're, 
so we're probably going to go to like the lab-grown meat, the industrial-grown meat. We'll, we'll probably go to a lot of meat substitutes that are plant-based as well. But the, the lab-grown meats, I think we're going to have industrial meat-growing facilities cropping up in less than five years in most major cities. Um, and, and this is going to give us a whole variety of different meats to work with. Uh, crazy stuff too, whether it's kangaroo meat or wombat meat or uh, bumblebee meat. Insects, man, they're uh, they're protein yeah. rich and it's uh, <laughs> they're, they're everywhere. It's, yeah. it's creepy. I hate even thinking about it. But that's a yeah. big move. Uh, a lot of companies are looking for. Uh, it. I got a couple questions, Joe. You, you think out so outside the box, but you follow trends as they occur today. Um, where do you see? I don't know money at where do you see um i don't know partnerships relationships uh, uh is the next generation going to get married um things like that that we don't normally think about right right um well cryptocurrency is here to stay um and and having di digital money uh just works so much more efficiently than than traditional cash or um and, and the banks we're, we're quickly going to reach a point where it doesn't make sense to have all the branch banks that we have in the country. Um, so as an example, there's a little over 90,000 branch banks in, in the United States. Um, and we've been closing them about 1,000 a year, uh, roughly. But I think that reaches a tipping point and suddenly we start closing five to 10,000 a year uh, because we just don't need this many, this much real estate to do the banking businesses that we've been doing in the past. Um, that changes quite a bit. Um, I, I think, um, I, th I think the, the governments are going to spend huge amounts of money on uh, what I call mega projects because there's lots of people unemployed and we want to keep people employed and put them back to work again. And, and so we're going to take on these huge, massive projects, um, uh, maybe building bridges across the Bering Strait or bridges across uh, uh, the Darien Gap that connects North and South America. Um, these type of projects, and it, and it could be highway projects, it could be tube transportation projects, they could be um, under, underwater uh, uh, farms on the ocean, that sort of thing. And so we're going to see lots of crazy ideas kind of coming out of the woodwork, and some of it's going to get traction. Yeah. And a lot of it's just going to be done in the name of keeping people employed. Right. Understandably so. All right. So the next big industry, before we run out of time, in your opinion, that's going to go through a big evolutionary leap and change is what? What's different in our lives? Um, that What is something we're still doing today that we won't be doing 10 years from now? Yeah. I mean, the whole healthcare world is making a major transition um, currently, the healthcare is an industry driven by pharmaceuticals, and very quickly that's going to transition to an industry driven by data. Um, as we're able to scan people's uh, bodies, we're we're going to know what foods kind of kind of sync with this person's metabolism. We're going to know a lot more about their individual health and their well-being. And, uh, and, and so we'll get a lot, lot smarter about uh, bringing people back to health. Um, so I, I, yeah, I think in the, um, in the alternative health world, we're, we're able to actually integrate a lot of the vitamins and 
minerals and stuff that our particular body needs. Uh, hyper-individualized healthcare, hyper-individualized uh, fitness and, and uh, syncing up with our metabolism, that's, that's where uh, the future really lies. We're, we're, we're really sloppy on how we do things today. So rather than having something that uh, the doctor prescribes 200 milligrams or 400 milligrams, when the ideal dosage today might be 367 milligrams or 142 milligrams, we can't work with that level of precision yet. But in the future, we're going to be able to get to that level of individualized, hyper-individualized uh, medicine and uh, that's going to change the world dramatically. Uh, it's always good to talk to you, man. How do people find you if they're interested in reading some of the things that you write and, um, you know, maybe you come into their town or talking or speaking, maybe uh, yeah. finding that on social. How do people get a hold of you or find you? Yeah, just go on futuristspeaker.com. Um, you can find everything you need on there. My, my blog site on futuristspeaker.com has over 400 of the papers that I've written in the past. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, just if you find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook, uh, just, uh, uh, send me a note and we can arrange a time to talk. There you go, man. All right. And I'm not going to ask you about TV because I'm scared of what you're going to say, but don't forget about our TV <laughs> show air weekends on the motor trend network. Check your local listings episodes. Also now streaming on motor trend on demand motor, meaning like, you know, gas engines like you know fossil fuel exactly, exactly. Uh, thanks for our guest thomas fry he is kevin bird i am willie br producer scoop and our executive producer bob ecker yeah and don't forget to check out our website twoguysgarage.com and share your thoughts with us on social we're everywhere facebook instagram and twitter at two guys garage that two guys garage podcast is a copyright 2020 britain productions incorporated all rights reserved Man, tell you, bro, there's so many questions. You could pitch him a softball and, you know, be playing that game for an hour on any subject matter. Like, <laughs> you should hear him on the radio unfold about, you know, marriage and sexual relations, you know, the future and where things are going to be in that regard and, you know, healing and, you know, what was that movie? Did you ever see that movie where there, uh, I believe it was Justin Timberlake where he had the forearm and it read how much time he had left? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be like oh, that, yeah. man. Uh, well, speaking of time, yeah. we're out of it, so we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. You gotta take care. See you guys. Two Guys Garage podcast is produced by Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.